On this episode of Before You Were Jaded, Taylor accidentally picked the perfect pay-per-view. Hold one! On I'm Taylor. And Taylor, I'm going to start this off with something fresh off the presses. Kind of. Today is Friday when you're listening to this. Maybe Saturday. Who knows? But we're recording this on Thursday, and this was going around on the interwebs today. A direct quote by one of the writers from WWE. So let me go ahead and just say this real quick. Yes, I have just been hired by WWE. Given the things that you know about me and my entire life... And what I'm into, yes, that's surprising. Yes, also a surprise for me. They did not require me to know anything about wrestling, but I do have a background in film production and comedy writing. And they're like, perfect, come on in. So I am on the Monday Night Raw team, so there's Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown. And the people I know that are on it are Bobby, His name is either Bobby Ashley or Bobby Lashley. And I really should know that. He's like this giant black guy, and he and the people who are part of his crew, I know they call, or at least as of last year, they called themselves the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business. They wear suits, and they're like, we're cool. End quote. (laughs) You can't make this shit up, Taylor. You know, everyone always criticizes WWE, for having bad writers. Like, they'll just let anyone in the fucking door. He doesn't realize how stupid he's been because he's going to get fired before he walks in the door. They're going to send him a trash bag of his shit and he's not even going to have his shit in it because he's not even going to get in the building. Even on this pay-per-view right here, someone gets fired, like, a week and a half after this pay-per-view. How does this even happen? Like, I mean, I get how it happens, right? They'll fucking hire anyone, I guess. I've, I've gone on Google and, like, you know, searched for jobs in WWE. I wonder if... I wonder what he wrote, and I wonder if they're trying to get a little bit of freshness. Because, I mean, I think that that's the one thing that's working for them right now is Riddle and comedy. If you're looking at anything on Raw that's working right now, it's him. And nothing else really is. So, I just... I don't really know why they need another comedy writer when that's the only thing they're doing well. Maybe hire some people that wrestle. I don't know. You know, weirdly enough, a somewhat wrestling company should hire wrestling people? What a weird concept. But that's the thing. They're not a wrestling company, and they'll say it themselves. They are sports entertainment. And I think, especially the longer we do this fucking podcast, Taylor, I don't really like sports entertainment that much. Like, let me me take that back. I enjoy it. But I enjoy wrestling a whole hell of a lot more. I want you to keep this quote that you just said that you don't enjoy sports entertainment in your mind. Because in the next year, I suggest Raw will change. That's a hot take. And you're going to really feel like it's good again. I'm going to go ahead and put that on the bulletin board. I'm going to put my name behind it. That in one year's time from today, Raw will be just as good as SmackDown. And I'm here for it. 
All I want is a quality product from WWE. Well, we got one in this pay-per-view. <laughs> they used to do it, right? They did. And so <laughs> I was reading about King of the Ring, and it's funny. That was the big part of the big five. It was the fifth of the big five, and obviously they've eliminated it now. And then obviously they'll rehash it on Raw and SmackDown, and they'll do the tournament finals on like a big pay-per-view and everything. Big pay-per-view in quotation marks, he said. I take this over Hell in a Cell all day. Oh, yeah. All day. And actually, like, I didn't even realize the significance of this pay-per-view and that we were, like, sitting on an anniversary of this pay-per-view when I picked it. Yeah, so you got so fucking lucky, but you had the right train of thought. We complained, like, on even... Why'd you bring that up on Wednesday? We were complaining about the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view and how they just have these bullshit pay-per-views that are get around gimmicks. But there are certain gimmicks that work, and there's nothing better in wrestling than a tournament. And that's exactly what King of the Ring was, was a tournament. Now, did they have a whole tournament take place over the course of one evening in a card? Fuck no. You're One, you can't pay someone enough to work that many matches and especially have them the quality you want them to be. But on top of that, you don't have the time or you're going to have a really small bracket and really short fucking matches. So... Well, I mean, it was a small bracket in this, though. You had the preliminaries on the night before this pay-per-view. Then you had the two finalist matches on this one. So it was just like they did it before. It was an episode where they had a bunch of people fight for a qualifier to get into this. Four people left once you get in. Eight people. I'm sorry. Eight people left once you get into it. And then it narrows it down as you go. It's not a hard idea to figure out. They're still doing it the same way. It's just weird. Yeah, I mean... You make a very They're doing circle. money in the bank like they used to do King of the Ring. That's what it is, is they've just replaced it with money in the bank. But they still do King of the Ring, too. But not like this, though. I, so I want to know, did they consider that match between King Corbin and Shinsuke a King of the Ring situation? Because it was just really a passing of the crown between two people. Yeah. But are they now like, is Shinsuke Nakamura considered a King of He's the Ring? He's the King of the Ring now. So they everything's changed. They've eliminated the tournament. Even. Man, life's weird, dude. What are you gonna like, do? I don't like it. Sometimes you gotta get off the pot if you're not shitting. Know what I mean? Uh, no, you don't know what I mean. I, I don't, don't know, what, know what, what I mean. <laughs> I I be shitting, man. When I when I go in the bathroom, I'm there for a reason. I'm in and out. No, I don't, bro. I like to just chill in there. Sometimes I take a book in there. I got this George Burns book. You probably don't know who that is. Real old actor. Anyway, so I got this George Burns book, and I've been reading it in the bathroom. So I just like my kids are kind of annoying sometimes. Not all the time. Just like 78% of the time. All right. So I get up, and I number. go to the bathroom, and I read about George Burns, and it takes me away. Do you like light some candles and put on some Celine Dion in the background? Yeah, I also smoke a big cigar. That's what he was doing every time I've ever seen him. I just can't imagine you smoking a cigar. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like that would you would do it once as a joke, and you would take one hit, and then you'd cough really hard, or you'd be the like you'd swallow it. You know what Will Smith says? What does Will Smith? He say? says he says a lot of things. Smoke a cigar like from Cuba Cabar. I just bite it. It's for the looks. I don't light it. How many Will Smith verses do you have? All of them. If you give me the whole uh, Big Willie style album, I could rap the whole album to you. Start from the beginning. I can't start from the beginning right now because the music's not behind me. Uh, uh, uh. You know what I'm talking about? He was the shit back in the day, wasn't he? What happened? He's still the shit. He's he still the shit. Pops off with Jaden. I just saw uh I just saw. Um, Come on, the, you got it. I got, it, got it. it. I just saw the Fresh Prince uh, reunion the other day because I got your HBO Max password. <laughs> and uh, man, dude, I'm telling you, 
I watched the Friends reunion and then the Fresh Prince reunion back to back. I'm just on a reunion kick. What like inspired you, man? Are you just trying I love to relive both the of those I have HBO. That's what inspired me. I didn't have the ability to watch it, and I've always been like, wonder what that's about. So and the, then that was me when they <laughs> dropped all the like FX and Adult Swim shit on it. I just went back and watched a bunch of Adult Swim shit that I couldn't watch for the. What's on time. there? What do they got? Like Space Ghost on there? They have everything. Space Ghost is on there. I believe so. Oh, and it's on. Oh, fuck yeah, dude! They have home movies. I didn't know. Yeah. You didn't tell me Space Ghost was yeah, on there. Yeah, Space Ghost is on there. Home movies is on there. Metalocalypse is on there. Oh shit! All the Aquatines are on there too. Aquatines on there. Oh, uh, what else? Uh, they, hey, they got a Assy McAss on there. I think so. They have. Uh, <laughs> they have check it out with Steve Brule. Oh they yeah. They have Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. I'm so in. Yeah, dude. What's your favorite Tim and Eric episode? I know you like it just as much as I do. That's a... So, I cannot give you an episode off the top of my head, but I can give you something they've done just right, in the shoot. universe. The Kim's... Kim's. The Tim's Kitchen Tips videos oh, on YouTube. Yeah. It's like a three-video part set. And they're so fucking funny. There's one where uh, <laughs> Eric is like... I don't know if he's taking like puberty enhancers or whatever, but he hits puberty and he just got a giant bush that's like sticking out of his pants. And he's like trying to stick my mushroom through this thick cloud. He just keeps saying it's just the funniest thing to me. I don't know why. That's a show where it's like they <laughs> definitely, when you're watching it, you're like, they do drugs, but then you see I don't the think people. They do. They, and yeah, you're like, <laughs> these are just two of the weirdest people in the universe. Like, wh- how they got to this level of weird. I can't I'm even there. put the pieces. You together. know what I really liked that was on a on the Cartoon Network, the late stuff that nobody ever talks about. You ever watch Renegade Angel? Xavier the Renegade Angel? I think so. It's, it's so remember. fucked up, dude. I hope it's on HBO. Do you remember Moral Oral? Oh, that's rough too. That's a rough one too. Those two shows were two shows that people stayed away from because they were so bad. Moral Oral. <sighs> Dude, that was a show. I'll tell you what. And then uh Squidbillies. Yeah. Squidbillies like was a little bit more that's popular. That's like Aqua Teen. They're yeah. on the same level. But nobody fucks with Space Ghost and like C-Lab. Because nobody watched them. They're so old. <sighs> Did you watch? <laughs> and they came on so late at night. There's a couple other like obscure ones that I'm forgetting. I like I... Venture Brothers a lot. You watch... And Delocated. You watch Delocated? I've seen Delocated. Venture Brothers was a show I probably, like if I went back and watched it Do you realize it now... what it's about? Yeah. He's a fucking wrestler. Like he's pre- he's a huge dude that just beats people up. Alright. It's like a show, basically a cartoon about a wrestler. Like he just beats the shit out of people. I think there was another Brennan Small show that was really good. They had a lot of good stuff on there. Alright, well we should probably go ahead and talk about King of the Rings since we've been here for like twenty minutes <laughs> and we haven't even talked about wrestling yet. That's so, okay. We had to get our nineties fill in or two thousands fill in. I miss Johnny B. Bad man. Uh do you uh yeah. I realized in this match in particular that even the perfect people mess up. He clocked Stone Cold with his foot. This was like one of those matches where it was good, but it. I really I liked expected it. more. Though. I didn't. I got everything I needed out of this. I uh, this is the the third time in history that he used the stunner in ring, and you can tell. Yeah, it's Here, he's still working it out. My thing with this is like you can already tell that Mark Marrow is dead on the inside when he's coming out. He does not like he doesn't have that same passion. Do you that know he why? Did. Is how, how far into Sable branching out? No, not it's not even about that. What? This is the first match he lost on a televised uh, pay per view, ever on WWE. Ever. I mean, and WCW too. No, in WWE, WWF. I read a re- report that that was the first televised pay per view match he lost. 
So my motherfucker don't want to lose. Yeah, he he was in a bad fucking mood, dude. He looked. He came out and like he did not. I look didn't like he think he to... looked bad, dude. To be he, honest, he didn't look bad. So here's my thing. It's just a weird match because you can tell that Stone Cold is still feeling out that in ring style he's been developing. You know what I mean? Because before this, like. If you watch WCW, Steve, you know what I mean? Studying Steve and all of that stuff, he works differently. So now you're kind of seeing him go towards those tendencies because he's he's got he's been injured. You know what I mean? So he I, can't wrestle the same. I anymore. think every week we find a theme of a pay per view, and in this pay per view, there is a ton of people that are working with injuries, like Dude. notably working with injuries, and everybody knows. And the thing is, like a lot of those people were getting just punished, and they were already injured. You know what I mean? And I'm just like. Jesus Christ. Steve had to leave after this match and legit go to the hospital. Oh, I know. Because like, he, he got fucking busted up, dude. And they even mentioned it on commentary later on. In well, the, uh, it was a complete accident. Like, it was something that shouldn't have happened. It was just, you know how things are. It's the slightest trick of your foot. And you kick someone in the mouth. He went to do that scissor flip uh, with his feet. And he put his feet too high and, and got stone cold in the fucking mouth. So that, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not saying that they're bad or like dangerous workers. Like, we've seen it. Johnny B. Bad's great in ring. I just think, and we, haven't we seen them wrestle each other in WCW? I feel like maybe we, we might have. It was, it wasn't him though. It would have been the other guy. Yeah, it would have been starting Steve versus Johnny B. Bad, yeah. which I feel, hold on. Keep talking. For a minute. I don't know, man. I, I did really, really enjoy this. The the psychology of watching Steve grow into something, because he really is learning the character. And he used that uh that uh stunner for the first time in the qualifier match against Savio Vega. So it's not like it was like a, a move that he was accustomed to. I mean, he just learned it from PS Hayes a couple weeks before this. You know what I mean? So it was really like a thing like Steve is learning his character as he goes. It's it's honestly super interesting to watch because I'm interested in the, psycho the psychology of a wrestler almost more than I am watching a wrestling match. And I can see inside Steve's brain in this <laughs> because as he goes, he's learning what works, how it looks, how do I do this better. He's working himself to be better. No, you're 100%. And that's what I was saying is, but he's unfamiliar and so it's, it's not as smooth as we've seen him. John Johnny B. Bad or Mark Miro, whatever his name is, is as smooth as we've seen him, though. Like, he yeah. might look a little sad, but he was incredible as usual. Oh, yeah, but... The smoothest guy off a rope I've ever seen. That that style didn't uh, mesh well with what Steve was doing, though. I honestly opinion. didn't hate it. I was I very it, much... I, I like this so much better than the other match because Jake shouldn't have been there. Oh, that's not... We're going to get into it. We'll talk Jake, about... Jake shouldn't... There's a lot of things that maybe you don't know that happened, too. Oh, yeah. So I'll let you talk about that. Here's my thing. I'm not shitting on this match. It's just I expect... I didn't expect... I wanted a little bit more because I wasn't going crazy. I'm sitting in my hair and I'm like... Yeah, they definitely did because they had a U.S. title program. But for an WCW. opening match to go into the pay-per-view, this is a great opener. Oh, yeah, definitely. And also, we forgot Owen Hart on commentary, one of the funniest people in the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> Too good. But I have something I want to talk about, but that I'll save it for the main event. This was a, or, or this I was a good match. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. You know, he gets to use the stunner. I just it hate, how, cool. I hate how it looks. I, it's, it's wonky because he doesn't do the kick. The kick evolved this move. Well, and it doesn't look like he hit it out of anywhere. He like, did uh, he's setting it up? That's what I mean. Is the psychology of a wrestler is he learning 
in ring how to set this move up because he's like, okay, that looks stupid. Let me try it a different way. All right, this didn't really work either. <laughs> and this is no, in no way, shape, or form to shit on Steve at all. It's, it's not weird. It's, it's fun because. But we've all seen him do the iconic stunner a thousand times, and it's the same way every time. Bink, turn, bam. You know what I mean? That's it. It's just a bink, turn, bam. That's it. And then this, it's like, okay, hang on, just get me over here. Let me turn you around a little bit. All right, we're almost there. Just turn a little bit more. Okay, here we go. Bam. Nine one one. Yeah, and. <laughs> I really do want him to bring back the beard, though. That short will not. I don't like it's it. It's not like he's wrestling. I'm not currently. into it, dude. I, I don't, don't want it. that. I like that little little short beard. I like a mustache. Like the skinny little mustache he had in the 90s with a trucker hat. I'm it's a, a 90s, big fit. Yeah, I'm a big 90s stone cold mustache guy. Jake so, Robinson. I, all right. So the thing is, he's... Coming back from obviously having some alcohol and drug issues. Some? Uh, I don't want to be too hard on it. Yeah, I know. So he's coming back from having a three-year break where he had some issues. He's already hurt. He shouldn't be there. He's hurt right away. Like, it's not he's sober, but he's injured. And you can tell he's injured, and he's 41 years old. Or if Owen Hart's going to tell you, he's 51 years old. Or 61 years old. Or <laughs> 71. I think he said 91 years old at one point. He kept on. I loved that. It was he just was like hammering a him. Time. Yep. He was hammering him. This was not having it, though. I, I like that they were perfect together. I wish Owen Hart, he could have been a great, great podcaster. Man, he would have had a great podcast. Well, let's not open that can of worms too much. I'm just saying, like, imagine how funny he is and getting to listen to him all the time like we do Bubba Ray. You you make a very good fucking point, dude. <laughs> I, I want to see more wrestling from him, and I'm sad that he died the way he did. But, man, he could have even been a better podcaster than a wrestler. <laughs> Whew. He was better on commentary than he was on like the promos he did that night because he did that promo with I thought it was Cam hilarious. That end. was oh. funny to me. That was just the same. He's just oh well, that crushing. promo was absolute. I think that this whole pay per view he was just spitting hot takes. Like he was just sitting on the sideline just spitting hot takes. At one point during a match, he was talking about his sister, and he was like, "Man, she's a beautiful woman, isn't she? She got that from our family." And it's like <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, you're over here just doing a fucking stand-up skit. It, everything felt natural from him. So it's like, even the Brian Pillman stuff. Brian Pillman was really good, but a little bit of it kind of felt... Aged? Yeah, yeah, it felt like it... It felt like he was trying harder than he needed to to do it. And this was a really interesting pay-per-view because the heat they were getting was like kind of gross heat from across the board. And Pillman had a little bit of that, too. It's like he's trying to get heat, but he's getting heat in a way that's like, I'm automatically going to get heat for this. You know what I mean? And it's like, we know what you're doing. You're trying to make yourself into a heel, but it just does. Sometimes the heel work doesn't age as well as you want it to. Let's be honest with ourselves. The more we go back and watch stuff, though... How many times did we see legit go away heat? Like, uh, well, there's that... a few people that can do it, and Jerry Lawler's one of them too. Oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute too. You keep on jumping ahead. I on know, me. but I'm just there's a lot of really interesting stuff in this pay per view, and I definitely want to talk about that more too. Yeah, no, we definitely will because so, I, I got some shit on it. I 
I don't understand why Jake. I understand why he's in the ring because he he's trying to make a comeback. What I don't understand is putting him in the ring with the stiffest guy in the world. Here's the thing, too. Vader usually puts on a really good fucking match. <sighs> he couldn't carry Jake. It leads to. It leads me to think that he was more injured than they're leading on, and like he told him to end the match sooner. And they had to find another way to make it still work. I think this match, too, was only, like, what, three or four squash. minutes? There was two or three squashes on Yeah, this. so this match was, yeah, three minutes, and then the Stone Cold was four minutes. And the Ultimate Warrior one was short as hell, too. <sighs> Dude, Ultimate Warrior, oh, my God. Yeah, it's just there's a so, lot in this pay-per-view that was rushed. Like, we're looking at it and saying, wow, this is a really good pay-per-view. But from a match perspective, this is an awful pay-per-view. We'll talk about Ultimate Warrior in a second. There's a fun fact I have for you, though, because obviously we know Big Van Vader. Yeah. I personally really fucking love Vader. I know he was stiff, but, dude, the aura he presented, he he lived that character. He loves to get natural heat, too, that's not forced. He yeah. lives to get that natural brute heat. <laughs> he really does, dude. He went he, out of his way. <laughs> he's the one fucking wrestler that everyone just calls by his actual name i cannot tell you how many people i've like heard telling stories of vader and they're like yeah good old leon <laughs> did you know he was a center oh fuck what team was it for i think it uh i think it was the raiders that's interesting he seems like he'd be a raider with all those fucking guys over there that wearing brass knuckles and shit yeah i damn it <laughs> i want to make sure but imagine him like you're lining up on the line and you see fucking Vader in front. Of I you. imagine like you don't know the look of that '80s Raiders team because they all looked like Vader, every <laughs> one of them. Like they were all just steroided giants. Motherfucking fridges in front of your face. You look up later. Look up Lyle Alzado. Just look at what he looks like. This dude is a monster. <laughs> J.K. He played for the Rams. Okay. Still, though. Yeah. Some fridges on that line. I'd like to see him in that Rams uniform. You got a pick? Uh, dude, I think I do have a pick, so I'd like I'll to look that up. Yeah, I really would like to look that up. You can send it to me later, and I'll post it on the on the Twitter so people know what we're talking about. So I have something cool for you, though. That wasn't even the fun fact of where I was going. So I was just hyping up Vader because, like I said, I fucking love Vader. But did you know Ultimate Wario? Wario? Wario. <laughs> I need someone to make me a Wah! picture of ultimate warrior's face al get on it <laughs> a wario themed ultimate warrior ultimate wario it's so great okay that's the name of the episode there you go have it uh here comes ultimate wario wow <laughs> he was supposed to apparently work a job in japan and become vader and he turned it down and then we got vader <laughs> He did work in Japan a little bit. Yeah, but he refused, or like he turned that down. That's the story I heard, at least. And just imagine Ultimate Warrior, that coked out motherfucker trying to live the Vader gimmick. That would have not been. Oh, a Warrior was supposed to be Vader. Yes. Wow. Imagine that. Well, I'm glad it Vader, didn't happen. So Vader was like, uh, he was very prestigious over in Japan. He refused to do jobs. Uh, like televised jobs because he was like, nah, I'm not sacrificing my motherfucking Japan career. Hell yeah. He was a real one, dude. I, I fuck with that Leon. mask in Japan was so badass. Too. <sighs> dude, oh, it was man. such an iconic look. So That's badass. uh 
as I collect more and more wrestling memorabilia, I would love to get that fucking mask to put in the room. That would be sick as hell. Oh, yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about the Doc Hendricks interview with Cam Cornette in the beginning? Well, before we do that, we want to do the finish of this match. So uh, Vader gets DQ'd because he throws the ref on the ground. Which was kind of iffy because he was falling down. And oh yeah, him fuck! Over. I didn't, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, so. that okay. That was the most bullshit finish. Which is why I want to say that I don't understand why they booked this match the way they did. Like they want Jay to go over, but they want to make him a pussy. Like there's no reason to do this. Like it's like let me just get my ass whipped, get a cheap victory, and then get my ass whipped some more. Dude, he Lebr- or he fucking LeBron did the whole night. Because then they went back to him later on. They were like, yeah, Jake the Snake. Uh, who was it? It was fucking Gorilla Monsoon. He was like, you know, I'm going to let Jake fight. It's his one last chance because he's old as shit. If you ask Owen Hart, he's fucking 102 years old. Owen goes, said something about Gorilla being stupid. And Vince was like, easy. Don't talk about Gorilla like that. He goes, what? He is. He's fucking dumb. <laughs> 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 it was just dunking on Vince all night. What <laughs> it was all night. Just sitting over there in a cast, just dunking on Vince all day. And JR. So was JR just... was so... It's always fun seeing young JR. But obviously, this is not the youngest we've seen JR. Even recently. Yeah. What was it? A few... Like a month ago, we watched something, and it was like his first fucking pay-per-view with WCW. <laughs> little weird. baby JR. Yeah, and his weird little outfit. Back before he had the big old smoker, he was using one of those fucking little $20 charcoal boys. <laughs> I got one of them right now. I'm on the young JR shit. Do you even have a girl? Yeah, it's outside. I haven't used it. Perfect. Sounds about right. I've been planning on it. I just haven't had a nice day yet. So, so he, according to modern day WWE, Vader didn't lose because I have seen a million different people just walk up and deck the fucking ref in the face like... And it's not like the ref like got blindsided. Like no, they walked up. They're like fuck you and punched him in the face. Not really, but you know what I mean. Like people assault the referee all the time in WWE. That now. was a cheap way to finish this match for and, sure, though. Dude, Vader basically fell into the fucking guy. Yeah, and they're like, it's over. And afterwards, fucking Jim Cornette was dry umping the ref like he was a middle schooler at a dance. <laughs> Jim was iconic in this, bro. This is the first time. There's a lot of people in this that I usually hate. Jim Cornette being one of them. And I love him in this. I love Jerry Lawler in this, too. I'm all for you, Jerry oh, Lawler. Oh, you like Jerry Lawler? I think in this pay-per-view, he was the funniest thing in the world. That's very saucy. He went through that whole sh- uh, that whole uh, promo intro, and I was just dying laughing the whole time. Like, he was just cutting up the crowd one by one. He went out as, a, as an insult comic. <laughs> he just went out there and insulted the whole crowd. He fucking... He was trying to slam dunk on everyone. I didn't... That wasn't my thing, but we'll talk about that literally in 30 seconds because Jim Cornette was not happy. Vader was not happy. Owen Hart wasn't happy. He was not happy, man. Team Cornette, man. So Cam Cornette gets interviewed by motherfucking Doc Hendricks. And Vader beats up Cornette. (laughs) How do you get Doc Hendricks? You know, you have Michael P.S. Hayes and the fabulous Freebirds, and you give him a mullet. And you put him in a suit, and you give him a dumb name. I didn't know his name was Doc Hendricks. I was just calling him Michael P.S. Hayes the whole time. <laughs> I've just been calling him that. I call him Michael. I never call him Doc Hendricks. I didn't know it was his name. Not only that, dude. They, on purpose, just did not mention the Freebirds. They, like, pretended like they never existed. Were they WCW? Uh, Is that why? Not even. They were, like, just all, like, they were back in the territory days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know Vince. 
He fucking hates Southern well, wrestling. Uh, Michael got his job done. I mean, he's still employed to this day. Yeah. I feel like he was on NXT like in the last month. I mean, I, he probably was. I mean, can we just give him a little respect for uh, giving Stone Cold the Stunner a little bit? <laughs> you want to just throw some Yeah, just throw a little his... respect on his name and Bad Street. Uh, I mean, just give him a thumb. You don't have to give him all a whole hand of respect, but just give him a thumb. I'll give him a pinky ring. Okay, cool. Okay, Michael, we got you a pinky ring. That's a good deal, man. We've done a lot of shit talking on you back in the day, but we're trying to get you back to listen to the podcast again, and we're going to give you a thumb. You know, we need those repeat likes and loves from you, I've, man. I've worked at my magic here with Will. He's not your biggest fan, but I'm telling you here, Fabulous Freebirds are okay, and this was really good, so here's a thumb, Michael. Just, Just one thumb. <laughs> That's all he's getting. That's a lot, though. We've done. We've been giving him you know nothing to a thumb. You know what we should do, right? We should print out a picture of a thumb thumb from Spy Kids. But I'm not talking just like some fucking regular printer paper. Are you talking about 3D? <laughs> what 3D print a thumb yeah. thumb? Yeah. You know, I wasn't. I was gonna say really a nice embossed picture. I did. My friend was but, showing me. You can make action figures of yourself on them 3D printers. Oh yeah. No, 100. percent so now that you mention it, yeah, we should definitely make Michael PSAs a custom thumb thumb from Spy Kids. We can just buy a thumb thumb. I bet they sell those. And give him the Jaded Rasslin thumb. You want to do all that work? Can we just buy a thumb thumb and send it to him? I, they don't sell them. My ass. Spy Kids was a huge movie. I bet you'd go on eBay, you could find a thumb thumb right now. We're going to go on break after the Jerry Lawler Warrior match. And when we do that, I'm going to need you to research that. Find a thumb thumb? Yeah. And then we're going to come back on that. So talk about Jerry Lawler, because like we had talked about, he came out slam dunking. And to me, it was okay. I will say this. I understand. And he definitely did his job. I think it was a little bit corny as hell, but that is just me. I hate his fucking laugh. But if we're being if, if we're talking about wrestling, right, the point of a heel is to piss people off. So in that respect, he 100% did his job, Taylor. So I can't, I just I got to respect him for that. I just thought the jokes were slapping. Like everyone he told, I was like that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's kind of, they were funny though. <laughs> he, they deserved it. He called that girl a streetwalker and I was on the floor. Like I was literally rolling. Like he was like, "Oh, they let you off the street tonight, honey, right in front of her husband. The balls." <laughs> the balls on him. Let's talk about the fact that this whole little parade of insults though was like 10 minutes longer than the fucking match that's itself. the point set him up for a squash and you know what the worst part about this oh. squash is do you understand what this is this is the warriors last wwe pay-per-view oh, match no. ever oh yeah do you know why because of his falling out with vince yeah yeah this is a nightmare dude right before this he faced savage he could have ended on that and instead, Why? Why was this his last match? You couldn't just let him finish with Savage? It was a perfect match. Was it? Yes, we just watched it recently. It was so good. Mm. We loved it. I loved it. Man, I just, I don't get it. I understand falling out, but like, to end him like this is just disastrous, dude. I've said this before. Warriors just not my bag. I understand, but like, you have to understand the input and the... The ability he had to work the crowd and like to end a, a star-studded career of WWE, WWE pay-per-view performances like this, you know what I mean? It's like Jesus, dude! Like, what a way! Yeah, no, so I mean, I guess it's better than him going the Jake the Snake route and wrestling until he dies. 
Yeah, I mean, and he is slowly but surely dying, like us all. Let me ask you a question and give you a perspective. Did you know Jerry Lawler has never worked out? Never. Not even in his territory days? Because he looked pretty buff back then. That's the word around town, that he's never worked out. Does he need to? I mean, clearly not. He's... Look, he's been successful. And he can do everything well. If you're good enough in the on the microphone, which he is, you can go ahead and say as much as you want about him, but he's very good on a microphone. Very good. And that's what got him over, obviously. He's not. He's an okay ring performer, but he's very good. And he's also, he's got a good mind for the business. I obviously, mean, he did so much for uh, Memphis wrestling and everything well, like there's that. A, I have a, a tool system in which I use to grade wrestlers. It's a five-tool system. Okay. Um, so you have, have you told us this before? I haven't. This is new. I just kind of worked it out a couple weeks ago. I feel like you just made this up so, on the spot. But so, so you have in-ring performance, wrestling. You have oh. out-of-ring performance. You have style. You have character. And you have looks. What's out-of-ring? Like, just what you mic do? Mic work. Okay, so. My, I should have just said mic work. You know what I mean? I'm I'm working it through. Okay. So anyway, you're so still developing. It's the still system. a development. So if you look at it from that perspective, he's looking at about three of the five tools, which huh. is a pretty good player. How do you add the other two tools to your tool belt? You become the best you can be. I think there are people that have everything. The oh Rock. Cue the Pokemon music. The Rock has everything. Yeah, he is a five. That's the person that you want to look at and say you're a five tool player. You have every piece you need. And you know how to use them all. There's several people that you could do that with. The Rock was just the first one that came to mind for me. Give me, me it's like, like three more. Okay. So we've got CM Punk. Okay. Yeah. A five-tool five player. He can do anything you want. Okay? You need him to go get on a microphone? Go ahead. You need him to go get in the ring, beat somebody up? Go ahead. You need him to job it out with style? Go ahead. We need to get you, like, a badge and have you, like... Have like pick a five tool player of the month. What I about like be... another one would be like Samoa Joe? Okay, yeah. Think about it like that. Like he can do everything. He's got the look. When he comes out, you're like, oh, this motherfucker is intimidating. He's got the promo. He's got the promo. You know that. He's you got know he's work. got a bunch of five star matches, and that's part of that in ring work. If there's no five star matches, I'm not giving you that in ring badge. So, I feel like that could get pretty oversaturated pretty quick though. So AJ Styles. He definitely has five-star matches. Definitely. Okay. Do you think he's a five-tool player? I think that he has potential. I think he is. Yes, I do. You yes, I do. Batista. No. What? Here's why. So, I don't think his out-of-ring work is as good as it could be. I wouldn't give him the tool of being an, a, a promo guy. So, you didn't see his big uh, main event pushes then? He did what he needed to do. But has he been able to do it consistently through his whole career? For the most part, yeah. Because every time I see him, I'm kind of bored when he's on a microphone. You've only gotten like mostly new Batista, though? That's not true. I've watched some Evolution. I've watched all kinds of shit. All right. Well, then, never mind, I guess. I just think, like, the thing is with Batista is he's always surrounded by someone better than him. Okay. Whether it be Triple H in that uh, cell match with the hammer. Well, let me... You let... know what I mean? Like, there's always somebody that outperformances him. Well, let me use a person then who's in the exact same shoes then. Arn Anderson. He's a five-tool player. Okay. 100%. He's a top 50 wrestler for sure. Can't argue that. I'm not going to. He's he's perfect on a microphone. 
He's incredible in ring. Style? Oh my god. Get out of here. You know what I mean? And what's the fifth one again? Uh it's uh I guess I don't know what it was. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm fucking up. I think it was look. But it, what I mean by look style is like... Style and look are the same. They are, but, but that's not the same. Because style is how your outfit coordinates with your personality. Look is how you're... Inti- like, if you can intimidate someone with your eyes. Or you can make your character better with the way you, you move or the way you act. It's more of like a, a, like a movement. Like, when Stone Cold walks out, it's the head swing. So, the body language. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean when I say look. I'm saying with their eyes. You're watching them. They're working the crowd. Okay, you know so, what I mean? I, so I, it's more crowd work, and then the other one is more microphone holding crowd work. They're right, different. So we, well, yeah. So it's just Shawn Michaels, the perfect person for that that look. Okay, I I know what you mean. So it's what, the story you tell, the psychology. Yeah, it's just, that's a better word for it. We'll call it psychology because it's how you. Oh, uh, you know what, D'Lo, you ever watched him walk out to the ring? I don't really think that... That's a look. He might not be a five-star player, but he's a one-star player. <laughs> Damn it, dude. How are you going to do D'Lo like that? Fuck. Just saying. I don't know, man. It's just something to think about. You could really put every wrestler on this grade. So I had a question for you, though. We got so far off the path. Mullets. I got something. I had a thought. Do you think... We saw so many mullets in wrestling because it gave wrestlers the ability to be fashionable and functional. What's the functionality of a mullet? They don't have hair going in their eyes throughout the match, but they, they're able to have long hair. No, I just think it was the style back then in 96. I'm, Billy Ray Cyrus. That was what he was running. What That's about, what Jerry Lawler was running. What about in the late running. 80s? Jerry Lawler was running a Billy Ray mullet in this. What about in the late 80s? That's a different kind of mullet, though. That's almost like in-your-eyes mullet. It's long. But it's not in their eyes because it's business in the front, party in the this, back. This was a country 90s mullet that Jerry Lawler had, though. This ain't that mullet. This ain't this ain't a, a Flying Brian. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jerry Lawler's version. But still, even Flying Brian, you know, you have the ability... To look like a bad motherfucker. That's a footloose mullet. Footloose. Yeah, that's a footloose mullet. What Jerry Lawler's got is an Alan Jackson. <laughs> Do you just have a ranking system of mullets now? Too? No, no, I don't have a ranking system. I just know my mullets. Okay, you're a mullet expert. A mullet entrepreneur. Sure, that's not. So <laughs> you sell. You uh, have your own mullet business. Yeah, I sell mullets. All right, sick. You owe me some. Prices or something after we come back from break? What Over, yeah. Finding? What was I looking up? Oh, a thumb thumb action yeah, figure. I'll look up a thumb thumb action figure. <laughs> we'll we'll see it out. you in a minute. So now that we're back from break, as advertised, Taylor has an update about the thumb thumb action figures. So here's the thing. So they do exist. I did find them. Uh, they are a little rare. The thumb thumbs are currently out of stock, but uh, you can get. Uh, Antonio Banderas' character in Spy Kids for $15, and they can range from $15 to $300, depending on the rarity and the mint condition. <laughs> so I'm assuming the thumb thumbs are going to range closer to that $300 yeah, number? Yeah, they're a little pricey. Do you need a thumb thumb that bad? So you said, I don't, but we need to send one to our boy. Yeah, you're right. Is he our boy now? <laughs> I guess he's our boy. <laughs> Here's my question. You said they're currently sold out. But that implied, like, you left a little bit of hope in your voice. 
Are they gonna go back in stock? Well, they're on eBay, so you know people send stuff to eBay all the time. You know, it can never—you never know what's gonna pop up. A thumb thumb action figure could pop up tomorrow. A two pack with Junie in it. Like maybe we get a refurbished like inventory because nah, you know, someone if it's sent not in box, and... you don't want it. You know how these collectors are with their toys. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. So someone you know gets the action figure and returns it. They're like, eh, you know, I kind of spent too much money. I need, yeah, I need okay. my money back. Then you probably could do that. You probably get a little uh, re- rebounds. Yeah, back in 2001, they had lifetime warranties on shit. Oh, so. I miss those, dude. I used to have a whole set of Spy Kids action figures. Good movie. Dude, you could have made potentially $300. I know. I fucked up, but I'd have it unboxed and dirty. You've seen my rock action figure. I have indeed seen your it rock. Looks like it got figure. dragged through the mud. It did get dragged through the mud. Kevin loves it. It's pristine condition. So that leads me to guess then we're probably better off 3D printing one then. Maybe. Maybe. It might be a little cheaper. Alan was talking to me about, you know, making figures and everything, and that's something he started to do and everything. So maybe we can put Al on the case. If Al makes me a figure. I might literally drive to where he lives and give him a hug. I feel like this episode, we've started to require a lot of Al. Al, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. Guys, if you don't know who Al is, Al's our artist. Work harder, Al. Don't stop. More drawings and more art. And now you have to make figures. Figures! (laughs) He's a beautiful, beautiful person. And we love him very much. More! We need more drawings! That's Taylor. <laughs> he knows it's me. What do you think? He thinks it's you just dragging him into the mud? Who knows? He does too much. I just we appreciate to... you, Al. Thank you for working so hard, but Will needs more figures. Yeah, you guys should love Al. He's the best. <laughs> they already do. They've been listening to Tots Pod. They're so... very familiar with Al. It's not a new thing. He's been around the block. He's been in all of our discussions. He's part of the family, and he has his own podcast on the network. You're acting like they don't listen to every podcast we have. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of that, so from what I understand, Todd's Pod will be alternating weeks with Year of Pod. Year of is putting a rap out, rap out. Ooh, a rap album? Yes, they're going to start rapping. Love to hear Kevin rap. That would be an absolute gem. They're putting out a wrap up episode on Monday for the season finale. And then Todd's Pod will debut again. I mean, they've debut already again. debuted, but their <laughs> second episode will be going live in that slot. And then going forward, once uh, Year of Pod comes back, they'll be just going every other Monday. So look out for that. We Definitely got a lot go of f- exciting stuff. If you haven't heard it and you collect figures, man, you're fucking up because these fig mans are figging. All right, check mark. Uh, I hit him with the Twitter handles real quick so we don't have to do this at the end. Oh, I like that. Taylor Hassler won uh, God Fieri. Ooh, we have a uh, jaded wrestling. We have a uh, redbeard pirate one. We've got Jobin Rogue. We've got a uh, Tots Pod. We've got Year of Pod, and we've got Duke underscore Bags. You know, I kind of just meant their two podcasts, but that works with me. So oh, I was hitting cool, the ball, bro. Check mark. We don't have to do that at the end of the podcast. That's fucking sick. And now it's my turn. Yeah, so I was going to say, hush it up and let me take my corner piece. Yeah, dude, it's movie time. So I uh, watched the 2013 film Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies this week. Awesome. Okay, so this is a this is a trauma movie. Do you know anything about trauma movies? So you tried to explain them to me. Did I learn anything? Who's to say? I used to be a trauma collector. I had when DVDs were a thing, which I've given all my DVDs away now. I used to go to the local DVD store and seek these movies out. Yeah, thanks for your uh, Blu-ray of Us, by the way. They were so rough, cult classic B-movie scary movies. 
and I would seek them out because they're just fucking hilarious. The most notable ones are Citizen Toxie, and there's five of them, and they're all incredible. There's a oh, remake okay. coming out. So they're just like fucking campy, dumb. Yes. Mar- so yes. is like Evil Dead a good example? Yes, that's a good example, but these are way more low budget and way more campy. Okay, so basically... <laughs> the names of some of their movies, let me just hit you with this and you'll understand. Poultry Geist. <laughs> Redneck Zombies, which I had on DVD, by the way. Incredible piece of film. <laughs> they also had Class of 93, Nukem High. Oh, and it was just I I think I've heard about that school. It's a school movie where there's Very like radioactive poisoning in the school and they all get mutated. It's fucking awesome. Dude, their football team is unbelievable. Great movie. Anyway, so this movie was made by them a lot later than all their other movies and I'd never heard of it. So when I saw the trauma stuff pop up at the beginning, I was like, "Oh fuck. I know exactly what I'm in for." Only I didn't know what I was in Wait, for. Wait, so I think I it's all blossomed in my head now. So it's a production company. Just one singular production company. Yes. Oh, this makes so much more sense. So they're like the sci-fi. Yes, but they only um, do horror a, movies. They they shoot this certain style of movie, and it's all the same. Like the blood is bad on purpose. The act the blood is overly gory on purpose. They do things that are supposed to shock you. It's on purpose. Like the point of this movie is for you to be like. Oh, fuck. This is the third heart this dude is tooking out of a person's chest. <laughs> There's three times in this movie where he literally takes someone's heart out of their chest and holds it up in the air. The one you're reviewing? Yes. Why are zombies three doing that? Three separate times. Okay, so let me give you a quick synopsis of this movie. So you have the franchise Shane Douglas. Okay. Who plays himself an absolute asshole. He kills a dude in the ring because the dude was hooking up with his girlfriend. He kills him. He does a pile driver and literally breaks his neck and kills him at the beginning of the movie. So the reason that this is happening is because he killed this guy. This guy's brother awakens the zombies from the dead, books a show in an abandoned prison, and six zombies on all of him and his wrestler friends. So essentially, the cast you have... Let me pull it up so I don't fuck this up. By the way, so explain to me this first. Where did the zombies come from? He... He created them. The heart ritual is how he he makes an alpha with the heart ritual. And the alpha... Shane Douglas? No, the the brothers of the guy he killed is the alpha. So he's taking the heart and creating a ritual and turning that person into a zombie. And then whatever they bite becomes a lower tier zombie, if it makes any sense. So it's like... Oh, oh, okay. Does that make any sense? He's an alpha. There's alphas and there's underlings. let Let me say this. What you're telling me, like, I'm understanding what you're saying as a plot for a movie, maybe... Well, there's another movie that recently that came out that Batista movie is the same way. There's alphas and there's underlings. It's the same idea. There's <laughs> god-tier zombies, and then there's shitty weak zombies that just follow what the god-tier zombies say. But, no, I, I get that, and that's a cool concept, but, like, the whole pulling someone's heart out... And then doing a it's, ritual. It's kind of gross. That's what like, I'm saying. I don't really understand the point of it either, but I think it's just part of the trauma's magic. I don't know. But the cast is Roddy Piper, Jim Jim Duggan, Hacksaw Duggan. I don't know why I called him Jim. It's weird to call him Jim. Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Duggan, Shane Douglas, Matt Hardy, Reba Hart, Rebby Hardy, Kurt Angle. Everybody is in this fucking movie. Everybody. So that makes me feel a way, and I'll explain to you why. There's some people that I'm like, oh, yeah, they've been in movies before, but there's like a name or two you named off that I'm like, 
they've never acted before. Well, Matt Hardy plays the character in every zombie movie that you expect to die and does die. <laughs> so he plays Matt Hardy, and Rebby plays Rebby. Well, that's not where I was going with this. So to get uh, insurance and stuff, I believe they have to have it, or they, or to be a part of the actor or Screen Actors Guild, right? And to get that insurance and all of that stuff, they have to be in a movie or something like that. Being a wrestler and being on TV doesn't qualify them for that. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, even that probably that fucking low budget film. Can th- turn them into an actor, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then they're a member of the Screen Actors Guild, th- yada, yada, yada. And they're able to get taken care of a lot fucking better. That's, uh, you always hear wrestlers telling stories of like, hey, yeah, I literally just did this movie, so I could be exception to that. And I could get, uh, <sighs> don't quote me on this, I because I don't want to speak out of my ass, because I, I'm not 100% sure, but if I remember correctly... They get like free insurance to it. Mm. You know what I mean? So being a wrestler, that's extremely fucking useful. I imagine, you know, well, I mean, beating if, yourself up if constantly. If you think about it from that perspective, all the people that you're thinking of that are those people are literally only in the movie for 15 minutes. Yeah. Matt Hardy's in it a little bit longer, but Kurt Hangle has the smallest scene in the movie. And that's why they're doing it to get screen actors going. Yeah, you know what I mean? so that makes sense. So what they do is they set all these people up. Basically, the only people that make it through most of the movie is the main character woman who's like a person that just comes to work at the wrestling promotion and ends up stuck with all the wrestlers. Oh my God. So her, Shane Douglas, Shane Douglas's girlfriend, Roddy Piper, and Hacksaw make it through about halfway through the movie, all of them. The rest of them die in the first like 30 minutes, which is cool. It's fine. But like they all die doing like wrestling spots. So like Kurt Angle snaps a fucking zombie's leg, of course. Do they play themselves? Yes. Okay. Yes. So Matt Hardy is doing Matt Hardy shit. Like, he's, like, climbing a cage at one point and, like, punches a zombie off the cage like he would a ladder. You know what I mean? Like, it's all shit that you're like, oh, that's a Matt Hardy thing. Like, why are they doing that? Okay, so I don't want to, but I have to watch this movie It gets better. So the funniest thing about it is Roddy Piper is just slinging one-liners through the whole movie. Like, through the whole fucking movie. I don't... I had a bunch of them written down. I wish I could find them because they're so fucking funny. He's just slinging the best one-liners. It's like that bubblegum line. There's 30 of these in these movies. Speaking of that, did you see the fucking pin I got from uh, Pro Wrestling Crate this month? Dude, so fucking sick. So if you guys do not subscribe to that, it's you fire. really should. It's fire. So I found the quotes. Thanks for giving me a little filler. He pushes a zombie into the freezer and he says, Don't get cold in there. <laughs> and at one point he goes... You're nothing but an American bully, and I hate a bully. They're all like just like Roddy Piper lines that just don't need to be in there. So I was watching the movie, and I was like kind of entertained. And there was one scene in the movie that I'm like, all right, I'm sold. I'm in. So Hacksaw turns into a zombie. Oh, God. And is attacking Roddy Piper. Like he's running at Piper. Piper dodges him, grabs the two-by-four, and smashes Duggan's head in with his own two-by-four. Oh, I bet he loves that. It's fucking awesome. It's literally the coolest thing I've ever seen. Oh, the coolest thing like, you've ever seen? So the whole movie, it's like Roddy Piper is basically saying, that, like, or people are talking shit about Douglas through the whole movie. Like, this motherfucker is such a dick. Like, he doesn't care about anybody but himself. And Roddy Piper is, like, defending him the whole movie. Like, he's like, no, nah, that's my brother. He wouldn't do that. He's a good dude at heart. Like, you just have to understand the way his mind works. We're in wrestling together, and we're brothers through wrestling. So it's like he's playing himself. You know what I mean? Like they have like a wrestling brotherhood. Yeah. And Hacksaw. Hacksaw. Uh, Jim. Du- or Jesus, I did it again. Franchise is just fucking everybody over. 
literally everybody dies because th- he just keeps shutting doors on people and locking them in places. Like, like purposely killing people. Classic kill shit. Yeah, he's doing it through the whole movie. So at the end of the movie, Roddy Piper figures it out and kills him. Good for him, man. So that's basically like, it's an incredible piece of film, to be honest. Like, I know that last <laughs> week I, rev- I rated that Steve Austin movie low because it was watchable, but it wasn't great. This was a good movie. A bad movie, but a good movie. <laughs> like, it wasn't a good movie on the scale of Roger Ebert and Shiskel or whatever the fuck that guy's name yeah, is. Yeah, those are their names. So it's not like they wouldn't give it a five-star rating in real-life movie reviews. But in this, for what we're doing, this is good. If you like wrestling and you enjoy spots of old wrestlers as a zombie, you're going to like this movie. But just understand, very bloody. Very bloody? Very, very bloody. <laughs> like, I don't like a lot of blood. So that part hurts me because I it's a little unnecessarily bloody for me. I thought you would lower score it because of the blood. No, nah, I don't think I'm going to. It's still not going to get a great score, but it's going to get higher than that last movie. I'm going to give this a... Uh, I gave the last one a 50% 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this a 3.8. Okay, that's respectable. Yeah, it's cool. And like I said, Lloyd Kaufman and the Troma team, they never disappoint, man. Like, they really do never disappoint. And I'm endlessly impressed by them and would go out of my way to buy their movies again if I could find them. I found out that there's a Troma streaming service, though. Six bucks a month. Are you going to subscribe? I might. I'm considering it. I don't know that I want to push myself through all those movies again because they are very problematic on purpose. Okay. So what you should do then is encourage them to sponsor us. And by sponsor us, I mean just give us a free subscription so maybe you can just do it for free then. (laughs) I would love that. I would love that. But yeah, enjoyable movie. If you like wrestling and you like wrestlers and movies, definitely a thumb up. And please, yeah, free subscription. Mankind and Undertaker, Taylor. Let's talk about it. I enjoy this version of mankind more than any other version of mankind tell me why here's why because you still get the wcw in him it's not him in the wcw but he's still doing the wcw things the elbow drop the things uh, that he does that are you can still see it's the way he did it in wcw you know what okay, i mean like so the running still working elbow like drop the same month or the same month the, the same it's still set. early enough for him to do the squeal he quit doing that as he got older and i fucking love the squeal (laughs) well that i mean it was very much a part of that character but i felt as he got older as mankind he quit doing it or did it less he didn't need to do it i know but it's a good part of the character that shouldn't have went away well so the character transformed way beyond what they ever expected agreed it went from you know this fucking boiler room demon to this really relatable and lovable guy. He and always was relatable, even when he was a demon. He was so funny. I, <laughs> here's the thing. Mick Foley is literally the most wonderful person on this planet. And he He's such a great person, and he is bucket list people I need to meet. What you said about the first match, though, is I kind of got from this match. Like, it was a little bit slower than I wanted it to be on the Undertaker's side because he's still kind of figuring things out, I guess. So that... I didn't have that. My, I liked how he worked. Here's the thing. Taker works kind of a slower style, but he's more so telling stuff, like telling a story in the ring, and that's between him and mankind. That's what he was doing. Well, usually I get like a, a payoff for an Undertaker match, though. Like at the end of it, there's always a spot where I'm like, holy shit. The Paul Bearer heel turn. That wasn't in this one. 
That was. No, it didn't. He didn't. That, that wasn't this one. He clocked Undertaker on the top On of accident, head. though. In the later one, when he does it, he does it on purpose. This wasn't the heel turn. I'm like 99.9% sure. We reviewed that already. I think we talked about it. No, we reviewed that pay-per-view. It was completely different because the Undertaker pleaded with him after. He said, why did you do this to me? He didn't do that in this one. This was an accidental hit. This wasn't it. We'll have to look it up later, and I'll post later and make sure that it isn't. But I'm 100% sure this wasn't it, because we reviewed that already. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so talk about this match a little bit. I'm going to review this real quick. So I did get a lot of shit I enjoyed out of it. Uh, uh, he, Paul Bearer is really, really funny. Like, at one point, he's, like, fighting with the ref, but he's using, like, his Paul Bearer accent. Did you get that at all? He was like, uh... That's not the way the rules work! You can't do it like that! Call the match the right way! It's just like, dude, you're not supposed to be arguing with the ref in voice, Percy. Did you just call him Percy? (laughs) I did. (laughs) It was just really, really funny to me. I don't know. I think it's funny to see people out of their element. Like, he's usually, like, just running the character and is just quiet the rest of the time. And in this, he's, like, full-on manager arguing with the referee. Um, it looks like it was 1996. That was this year, but it was later. It was a different paper. What else did we fucking watch in 96? What did you think of this match? Okay, I I really enjoyed it because, I mean, Mick Foley is my favorite wrestler. So there's that. But on top of it, I mean, dude, it's Undertaker versus Mankind. Was it the greatest Undertaker-Mankind match to ever exist? Fuck no. But was it a good was it a good match placed really well? Yes, it was. SummerSlam 96 is what it was. That was the pay-per-view. It was oh. SummerSlam 96. It was after this. So, what? it was after this? Yes. Okay. So, they're setting it up. This is yeah, a month Yeah, this later. is the beginning of the set. So, it, it is a setup, but this one was accidental, and I don't think they really meant so to it, do it. I mean, it wasn't accidental. It wasn't because it looked like it was to me. He well, just okay. moved out of the way if and he this, got hit. If this is a month earlier, you know what I mean? Well, maybe they saw it and they're like, oh, we could do this with it. You know what I mean? No, but Well, no, they they were getting ready to strap uh, Paul Bearer with Mankind because he uh, th- they kind of paired together. Yeah, well, it makes sense from that perspective, but this isn't the actual heel turn. Okay, well, I'm sorry I was wrong. We I'm... reviewed that. That's all I wanted to get out there. I need to put this out there in the universe. This has been a really weird week, so on – Tuesday, we recorded Why'd You Bring That Up? And, like, directly afterwards, I had to go to my store and do my inventory. So I was, like, up until 2 o'clock. But the shitty thing about my inventory is you have to do, like, the majority of it the night before. and then Or, like, the day before. And then do the rest the morning of. Like, there's a couple things you have to do. So you usually have to come in early. And my store started opening an hour early that day. So I was, I got, like, three hours of sleep. And I've never recovered. So We don't be sleeping like that, man. What, more than three hours of sleep? Yeah, we don't be sleeping like that. Never. you got to have to get on that grind, bro. We don't sleep. I'm training my body for six. Don't you remember that uh, BT, uh, BMTH song? Uh, oh, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> this is a good match, though. It was cool, bro. It was. It's what you'd expect to be cool. Um, I thought that this was pretty cool, man. I was very much enjoyed it. I, uh, I think that a lot of this card was weird. And this was probably one of the better matches on the card. Because there was a lot of squash matches and a lot of really, really weird matches. And you know what? I think we... Did we skip Gold Dust? 
Yes. Motherfucker, that's the most interesting match on the card. Well, tell me about it really briefly. Okay, really briefly. Do you know how much happened in this match? Then tell me about it not so briefly. Okay, so you have the setup. Goldust is trying to save a man's life by giving him CPR. <laughs> he's literally trying to save Ahmed Johnson's life. Like He's like, look, I have to give you CPR. You're on a stretcher. What a nice guy. And Ahmed didn't like it that much. He wasn't a big fan of the CPR. He had a little gold residue on his lips. Okay. And he was not a fan. So oh, they, we use lips. Okay. What Goldust is, though, is the Intercontinental Champion. So they get into a match for the Intercontinental Championship between Ahmed Johnson and Goldust. Do you understand how crazy this is? That there was real heat in this match. Goldust told him, here's the spot. At the end of this match, I'm going to crawl on top of you. I'm going to put my hand over your mouth, and I'm going to kiss my hand. That motherfucker used no hand. He went full-on lip on Ahmed Johnson in the ring. That was not planned. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson was so mad that he tried to go backstage and fight Goldust. Goldust got in his car and left as soon as he got out of the ring. I... That's insane. That's an insane story. Where did you pick up that little tidbit? I've been reading a little bit about behind the scenes. That's not all that's crazy about this match, though. So him being the first black man to ever win a championship at WWE. Which is hella cool. That's no, you know what's really... not hella cool, though? He went outside to his car and someone shaved the N-word into the side of his car with a key. Yeah, that's not cool at all. Yeah. So there is a lot. A lot going on in this pay-per-view, from Ultimate Warrior in the blow-up with Vince, to Ahmed Johnson having racial slurs scratched into his car, to Goldust kissing Ahmed Johnson on purpose to draw heat from him. There's so much. Jake the Snake being hurt. There's a lot going on. Steve having to leave because he gets stitches in his mouth, and coming back and finishing it. chaotic pay-per-view. And at the end of this, we still have a perfect main event, and Steve solidifying himself as a real character. With that promo. Oh, God. Did not mean to hit the mic. Oh, it's well, okay. It's let's okay. talk about Steve doing that because this was kind of a bullshit match. And you could tell that this was really worked because both of the guys weren't necessarily blown up. I mean, Steve got injured. That was really just the gist of him. But Jake, on the other hand, dude. He looked hurt, dude. He, Yeah, he legitimately looked like he should not have been working. And I don't know if it was a situation where they were just really trying to take Jake's real life experiences and notoriety for not having such a great life and being old and use it as a storytelling vehicle or if it was Jake showed up and that was the card well, they were dealt. You have to understand he's from a different era. Guys that work with injuries, whether they can or they can't, that's they not, work. That's not so much what I mean. I mean they let Jake work that first match, right? And they were like, oh, yeah, he's just hurt. And then it comes, they come to find out a little bit later on. They're like, hey, yeah, Jake's not so much hurt. He's fucked up. You know what I mean? And that's how it went. I mean, so Stone Cold was always going to win. That was the That's thing. not actually true. I was, hold on, at least as soon as the curtain call happened, that is. That's oh, what you're, so you know the next tidbit. My dick. Is that is that your little bit of tidbit? That's my last tidbit. And do you, here's another tidbit on it. Do you know what Paul Levesque ended up doing on this card? I don't. 
he ended up going over on Aldo Montoya, aka Just Incredible, on a dark, on, on dark match. Yep. So. Do you know why he got in trouble? Yeah, because he was the only fucking person that could get in trouble. Shawn Michaels wasn't gonna get in trouble, and the other two were gone. Yeah, exactly. So he was the. And I mean, well, every time you have a retelling of the curtain call, too, that's always like everyone just they're like, yeah, Triple H was the the kid that was easy to put the blame on, and like Shawn Michaels is untouchable. Yeah, you're right. I had the same issue I had with this match. This match wasn't good, but it I wasn't. Mean, it, it wasn't good. This but... wasn't Steve's fault. And like I said, I didn't hate the like. I wanted more. I so I going back to that first match. I, now that we're over an hour later on this shit, that first match I enjoyed it. it just I I had a much higher expectation for it because of who it is and what they've done in the past. It's like when you get like Kenny Omega in a ring, you know what I mean? He doesn't have a five-star match. You're bummed because you expect that five-star match. Uh, most people do at least. I Do I expect a five-star match? Not necessarily. I expect a really good fucking yeah. match, though. This was cool to me, though. I would definitely wouldn't give this lower than like a a thumb out of two. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this uh, is cool. No, I, I, so I enjoyed that first match, but definitely go watch WCW shows well, in them. But the Jake match, bro? Bad. It was bad. But, it was worse than the Vader match. But I think that, again, it was supposed to be a squash, and I don't understand why you have three squash matches on a seven-match card. Who's three. This? That's half of the matches. Yeah. Does that make sense? Or was there t- so much backstage drama that they had to do it like this? So are, so you're saying, basically, like they were just put their backs in a corner, and they were just like, this is the best Things we were do. falling apart as the curtain was falling. Who? You know, that's a really good take on that because it could have been that way you know they could have had all these grand plans and it's not like how it is today where vince will show up an hour before smackdown or raw and tear up a script to rewrite it yeah whereas it's more so a situation where hey we had these grand plans you know these are what we've been building to this is one of our big five and literally anything that can fucking go wrong is going wrong did you catch the owen hart joke in that match though there was one more he swung in there, and it was just so funny. Get me. He said, so JR says, Jake the Snake's back again. He must have a heart of gold. And Owen chimes in right behind him. He goes, and he's also really old. Yes, I did. <laughs> he was, dude, he was on top of it, but I have been alluding to it. I have something saucy to talk about in, his, in this next match because there was a very off-color comment. So... What did he say? Did he say something about uh, Jose? No, no. We'll talk about it. Let's let's finish this so important match because we have Gorilla Monsoon come out and he goes to like call off the match, right? And Jake's like, "No, fuck that!" And then gets his one little gust of wind, and then Steve just hits him with the stunner. The stunner, and it's over. It's over. The, well, the thing that is so great about this is the promo, and everybody knows it. So I have the monologue from the promo. I would like to challenge you to see who can do a better Stone Cold Steve Austin impression. Are you up? I will not be able to do one, brother. The, well, just try your best. The, I'm not going to do one good either, Will. You're acting like I'm some Robin Williams impressionist. Like I'm going to come in here and turn into Stone Cold. I'm not Tim Boston, and I'm not Stone Cold. I'm not going to be able to do it good. Do it good. It's not going to be good, but it's going to be funny. You ever have one of these situations where it's like you know someone, you hear their voice all the time, and you interact with them, but the minute you need to remember their I can't, voice. I can't do it. I don't know Stone Cold's voice. That's why it's funny, because we're just going to try off a of color. 
<laughs> so do you want to like take? All right, hit me with the monologue. All right, I'll go first. First thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of my ring. Get him out of the WWF because I've proven, son, without a shadow of a doubt, that you ain't got what it takes anymore. You're going to sit there and thump your Bible and say your prayers, and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about John 3.16. Well, Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. You did such a good impression. I'm not even going to try. No, you got to now. Monologue it up, Will. Uh, so, yeah, that's the most <laughs> iconic uh, promo of all time. It is good. It, it is good. I the promo that time. started the Attitude Era. You're not right. really, but... Changed wrestling, for sure. Or changed his wrestling career. There's so many things that inspired that. <laughs> you ever seen that uh, Kevin Owens... <coughs> ECW. Uh, you ever seen that Kevin Owens clip where he's talking about the ringmaster? He was. I was watching it earlier this week because they were like showing all the clips that surround this pay-per-view because it's oh. the 25th anniversary and everything. Yeah, yeah. And he was like... Here's the weird thing. I love the ringmaster. He's like, I'm the only one, but I really, really enjoyed the ringmaster. And he said, I remember the ringmaster's debut. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker's badass. And then he was like, a week later, he was gone. (laughs) (laughs) What an iconic story. Because it really, that just goes to show it really, nothing has changed. It's always been the problem is they'll like, Throw something at the fucking wall, it won't stick, and then they'll just backtrack. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's that's why it's sometimes hard to like just kind of hold on hope because there's been so many times where it's like you get something and you're like, this kind of sucks, but I'm gonna stick around for it. And then three weeks later, someone else is like, yeah, this sucks, and then they just drop it like a fucking bad habit. Bad man, dude. Yeah, Adman, bro. <laughs> He's the latest Taskmaster. I, I can't wait for them to get rid of Jimmy Smith. Fuck that guy. Fucking 2.0 Adnan. I <laughs> Fuck that guy. That motherfucker sucks, dude. He ain't Adnan. Get I him am, out of here. I am not a fan of Jimmy Smith, brother. He can go fuck I will off tell somewhere. you what. I, Jimmy Smith's not going to listen to the podcast now, but fuck him. I don't want Jimmy Smith Why not, to listen bro? To I podcast. want everybody to listen to the podcast that wants to. <laughs> you know what? This is a Jimmy Smith friendly zone now. Just for you, Taylor. <laughs> I forgot his name, but that doesn't really matter. That's all right. That's all he right. He has like the most fucking generic, like, create a player name in the world, and I forgot it. That says it all right there. I, just, I don't know. I'm not a fan. We can move on, though. We don't need to diss Jimmy Smith anymore. I'm sure he's somewhere listening and very upset about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jimmy Smith. How about you come give us a free interview? So, before we start this last match, what did you think about this Shawn Michaels British Bulldog match? Because I'm a big British Bulldog fan, um, and. I think maybe it happened because when I was a kid, I liked him so much. I'm not as big a fan as I used to be. <laughs> what is it? The meth? Oh, Will. You're going to get rid of the whole British Bulldog family. None of them are going to want to hear a podcast. Stop. I'm not. Oh, they're in the Hart family. Now Natty's not going to listen either. Oh, Natty listens every week, dude. She's in our DMs. <laughs> Calm down. Okay, that's not where I'm going with it. I promise. <laughs> Good save. Good save, I guess. Uh, dug us into a hole, and then he climbs back out and just dives back in. I don't fucking understand. So I'm not here to... It's, it's one of those things. It's like I'm not even here to beat up because people deal with their problems. You know what I mean? And it's a really serious thing. And like, 
We're here to have fun. I honestly thought this was good, though. Well, man, hold on. I'm trying to dig myself out of this hole. you got to give me my shot. Okay, go you ahead. You already tried. Sh- I'm trying to save you. I care about you. No, I, I have a landing point. I promise. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to let it get its wings. You just hear those things, and they take you back, and it's hard to, like, they're always in the forefront of your mind. But at the end of the day, Davy Boy Smith, I fucking love him. And to think... Even with the shit he was dealing with, because it's not like, oh, ha, 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 he was doing drugs. It was like, that man was dealing with shit and doing drugs. He was still performing at such a high this fucking was, level. That's what I mean. Like, he was good in this. He was really fucking good. But then you have the original Perk Kurt. Perk Michaels. Shawn Michaels on the edge, nursing injuries. And literally being one of the best performers in sports entertainment to ever live. Because I don't give a fuck what you think about Shawn Michaels. You watch that man work. If you hate wrestling. They don't call him Mr. WrestleMania for nothing. If you hate wrestling, watch a Shawn Michaels match. You'll be like, damn, that motherfucker looked cool. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, you know, it's it's an undeniable thing that Shawn Michaels did he's, so much for the business. He's really good at a lot of things, but I think his arm drag takedowns are the best. I think he's better at arm drag takedowns than anybody else. They're so pretty. There's a bunch of them in this match. There's a so lot pretty. of things that he's better and at. And I'm just like, Whew. for a, a smaller guy, his ability to pull a perfect arm drag swing is awesome to me. Look at his, the look he has. That's what I mean to say. Look at his look, you know. Uh, so he's got the look. He does. Because so he's one of the tools. This was my favorite attire of his. Well, not specific, like just this era, you know what I mean? It's not specifically these trunks or anything. I like the but, like, all brown outfit. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like like the Tassily stuff he came back with in his yeah. like, 2000 I run. Did. I enjoyed it. But this like mid to late 90s Michaels, holy shit, dude. Well, you know what's interesting about these two facing each other? Is they faced 11 times on pay-per-view. What do you think their record is, their win-loss record? I think Sean went over... A decent amount more. How many out of 11 do you think? Maybe 10. 11 out of 11. He never lost. Ever. Not on a pay-per-view. Not on a television match. He never lost to the British Bulldog once. That's the most Shawn Michaels things I've ever heard in my entire life. Never. Isn't that crazy? I just said that sentence in two different kinds of tenses. and You just said senses and tenses in the same sentence as well. I just want to put that out there. Sentence intense. Am I decaying to <laughs> Decay and delete, man. Decay and delete. So, again, we get hit with an Owen Hart commentary that just puts me on the floor. So, <laughs> JR says, Bret Hart is no doubt watching from Calgary on pay-per-view. And Owen Hart says, nobody wanted him anyway. He's adopted and my mom had compassion to take him in. <laughs> oh, Yes. I forgot about that because... And Vince goes, come on now. And he goes, nope, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Owen is a killer. So (laughs) That completely blew past me because I was... I was a little circled around the Jose comment. Okay, it it wasn't great. But I mean, you have to understand that there was a lot of things said in this pay-per-view that weren't great. If you want to look at them, there was about five. Through the course of this pay-per-view that are like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. So I want to do something. I heard about the, like uh, fucking Chris Jericho taking shots at Jim Cornette because of uh, the comment he made 
on NWA that led to him uh, resigning, which, I mean, I'm not going to talk about that. That's just not what I'm talking about. So talk about it off air with me. All right. Anything about it. But anyway, so I want to go back to Raw, SmackDown, whatever fucking wrestling shows throughout the year that have like JR, Jerry Lawler, like Vince or any like. Oh, JBL. JBL is a perfect one. Jerry Lawler is just as bad, dude. No, that's why Jerry Lawler was like off the top of the dome. He's the one that I can remember the most things he said. But just compile a list of borderline, if not blatantly racist things said. I bet you couldn't find one for JR. There's a couple really weird uh, wordings he says, like way southern sentences is what I call them. But I I mean, look at me today. I can't even fucking format a sentence correctly. Well, so. he says like sayings that are southern sayings, and they're always like, Ey. like I think one of them was like cotton picking or something, and it's just like, why are you saying that? And it goes, we've, you know, we've cracked this egg before. There are so many wrestlers that when you listen to them, they'll say things that'll make you go, ugh. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. I've heard him say plenty of things that I'm like, well, yikes. I, again, I try to be easy on people when they're in a movie and it's a role. Oh, no, I'm talking about like on the podcast. Okay, okay, cool. All right. I just wanted to make sure we weren't shooting for the longest yard because I know we've had that conversation quite a bit where it's like, oh, he said this in this movie. And I'm like, you're right. But honestly, like, I hadn't seen that movie in a long time, so I honestly had forgotten about Did it. Did you see that? Okay. We'll talk about it in a second. I forgot about it, too. And then I was showing Gabby, and she had never seen it. Now you know she's, like, a big football fan. So I'm like, all right, cool. We can watch the football movies now, and they'll be relevant to you. And I was like, if you're going to watch any of them, it's the longest yard reboot because you like wrestling and football. This is a football movie that is – the cast is primarily – Filled up with wrestlers, wrestlers, and then like rappers and other random famous people. Uh, wasn't Deion Sanders in that fucking movie? No, Nelly was though. Who was uh, it was Michael, no, Irving. Michael Irving. Yeah, that's who it was. Uh, fuck, Why no, Deion Sanders would never do that. He don't let anybody go over him, he's like a Vader. <laughs> but so we're watching it, dude, and he he drops it, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I know, but I had this conversation with someone else the other day about it because I was talking to someone about wrestling and they were we were discussing like this kind of stuff in movies and wrestling and they they were like they had an interesting view. They were like, "You have to understand that his character was a racist." Like all of the guards were racist. Like that yeah. was the point of their characters. Like every one of them were just racist fucking assholes. No, yeah, 100%. and like what I was, and I didn't even think of it like that because, like you said, I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. So honestly, I forgot that he said that. But I did start thinking of it, and I was like, "Oh, there's a bunch of things they say." The whole movie, their characters are formulated to be racist. Oh yeah, no, and like so, I get that, and my argument on it is like, no, they're playing the character to a T, and they're doing a good job at it. It's just. I'm a reputation guy for uh, the most part. And, you know, I'm the first to admit, like, hey, I've done things I'm not proud of or shit like that. You know what I mean? So it's like for me, like, if you're accepting a role, like, I mean, Stone Cold didn't have a shortage of roles, especially in that little burst of time period. You know what I mean? I also want to put something out that's kind of controversial. Uh, Adam Sandler has a history of writing black characters roughly. And I didn't notice it. I was watching Grown Ups 2 the other day. Because it was on TV. I don't know why you're watching it. It's a great movie. I used to love... Okay, I used to love this movie. I didn't realize 
that he wrote a very, very controversial part for Chris Rock through the whole movie where every one of his jokes are like lowbrow black people jokes, like not for black people, but about black people. And you can tell Adam Sandler wrote them. You know what I mean? Like he wrote the whole movie and you can tell that it's not a joke that Chris Rock wrote. It's a joke that a white dude wrote for okay. Chris Rock. Does that make any sense? No, that makes sense. And the whole movie, there's this family and they just go, what? And when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that's funny. They're just saying what? But now that I think about it, I was like, oh, that's a stereotype. Grown Ups 2 isn't that old, Taylor. But it is. It's 10 years old. You were a kid 10 years ago? I was not. I think probably. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like what I was thinking, <laughs> like I, I can remember really, really enjoying it, though. And now I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, this is just a movie filled with stereotypes. Like I'll pick a very specific time period. Like let's go with the mid 2000s. You watch almost any movie from that period, and you see so many different stereotyped people in those fucking movies. Uh, like any like the scary movie movies, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And they're, black people are even writing those roles, you know what I mean? Like that, and like... I think it's a little bit more uncomfortable when you know that Adam Sandler is writing it, even though it's for his friend, which is, that's true, they're friends, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that Adam Sandler's a racist. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, hey, you're a racist, Adam Sandler. I love Adam Sandler. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are things when you go back and watch some of these movies that you're like, wow, and I really thought that was funny. And it is just a really lowbrow joke. Like he just rolled a bowling ball into the ocean. You know what I mean? Like that was such a low hanging fruit. that He just pulled off and made a joke out of it. And like, I don't think it's necessarily as bad in like Billy Madison. You know what I mean? Because those okay. jokes are a little bit better written. Uh -huh. I think that he gets a little lazy towards the end of the Adam Sandler stuff. And I still like most of it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's just like, there's a lot of things that are like, oh, that's a cheap laugh. Okay. No, I, I can respect that then. That's just, it's just some things are cheaper than others. And I'm finding more and more in his movies that anybody's movies, it, it seems like. The only way people know how to be funny anymore is by going lowbrow because I guess everybody's scared. Yeah, well, I don't they, really they, know. They don't have the ability to make anything worth a shit, so they go for stuff that they know are going to get pops, which is doesn't. It's kind of thing is the same with wrestling if you think about it, though. It's and very much the same. The heat that we were talking about earlier. There's a way to get heat, and there's a way to get cheap heat. And some people know how to get cheap heat. I feel like that was the theme of this pay-per-view. Honestly, could we say the same about MGF, MJF, though? Oh, man. Yeah. I just want to have the conversation because if you think about it, he goes out of his way to get really dirty, cheap heat all the time. And it's not – I know it's a character, but so is Jerry Lawler. No, and you're right. I think, I think it's the presentation, though, a little bit. But is it, this not presentation good if you're looking at it from a 96 perspective? Is it not just as good as MJF's work? He's controlling the crowd with his with his ability to draw heat. Yes and no. So he does it, but in a cartoonish way. I think the difference between how he they're the same character at a like glance, like or not a glance. Like if you know what they're doing and everything, like if you really look at it, they're basically the same character. The difference is is like <sighs> Jerry Lawler is a cartoon version. Whereas MJF is the adult serious, like, hey, I'm going to present this and not laugh at my jokes and everything. Like, I'm going to make a statement that impacts you like those jokes do. Like, it's almost like 
the laughing is a safety net for Jerry Lawler. But do you think where MJF doesn't have that safety? But net. do you think older wrestling fans look at MJF and look at the heat he's getting and are not embarrassed, but not like a fan of it because of the way he presents himself and the way he gets heat? Do you think it's an unlikable trait among other wrestlers that aren't in AEW, obviously, because they know him personally? But like, like other people that are wrestlers that are looking at him, probably thinking, "Oh, that's a cheap way to get heat." Oh, like people are looking down on him in the industry. Same itself. thing with the Bucks. I mean, there's a lot of people who feel a lot of different ways about the younger generation. I've heard a lot of positive stuff from older people about I've, MJF. I've had these conversations with older wrestling fans, and they are not fans of these guys. Really? Especially the Bucks. The Bucks rub everybody the wrong way. I get that with the Bucks, but MJF? MJF, too. Because he's looked at as someone that gets cheap heat, especially with kids in public. He goes out of his way to spit on people or flip people off. I saw a picture yesterday where he was going like this to a little kid in his face. And like it's funny, but at the same time, it's like a little bit cheap. So You know what I mean? When you say older wrestling fans, like what generations? I'm talking like older. Like this was an older dude, like a hacksaw guy. You know what I mean? Like these are 80s wrestling fans. So they're 80s WWF fans. Maybe. Maybe. And you could say, I don't want to make everything AEW versus WWE. I'm not not saying that. I'm just saying like the territories and WCW and stuff like that. Like when it wasn't on TV, like and even sometimes on TV, like. That sh- sh- people would do shit like that all the time. You know what I mean? So it's not like a new thing and like MJF is breaking. I understand. Ground. I, get, I get it. I understand MJF completely. And the reason why I, I love him, the reason why I said eighties WWF is, I mean, especially for that time period, it was always notorious for being a little bit more family friendly and also a little bit more cartoonish. Another knock on him is he's not wrestled very much. He doesn't, but that makes you want to watch him. Does it? So here's the thing. Because a real wrestling fan wants to watch somebody wrestle. Like, I don't know necessarily about you, but I know a lot of people like you love wrestling and want to watch wrestling. I like a sports entertainment side more than I do wrestling. But a lot of people want to watch you in ring. They want to see if you're a five-tool player to bring it all the way around. Well, it's, it's about how you're booking the person. So you're booking MJF to be a prize fighter. He's not going to just fight the fight. That's not what he's there for. He's better than you, and you know it. And he doesn't have to prove that on a weekly basis. But that makes it the anticipation so much more because he's tried and true. Everything he has done, he's been great. So then when he doesn't wrestle for forever, you're like, God damn it, when's MJF going to wrestle? And then you're talking about it. And then you're thinking about it. And then when you see an MJF match presented and it's, a good fucking match, you're going to go, oh, man, I can't wait for that MJF match. I never get to see MJF. You know what I'm saying? It's that train of thought, like, you're not oversaturating, you know, and potentially ruining or taking away from him, exposing his flaws, if there are any. I'm not saying MJF has flaws or anything like that. But what I'm saying is there's times, like, I hate watching Charlotte Flair because I see her all the time. When she's there, she shuts down my throat. You know what I mean? But when she came back, I was kind of like, Oh, Charlotte. Same with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns being shoved down my throat. He takes, what, six months off? And he comes back fresh with a new character? I don't know if I'm with that. I understand what you're saying, but I don't know if I'm with that three times a year, and that's what I want to see. It's, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it's going to be a foreverly consistent thing, but... I mean, it has been, though, for the first three years of the company. 
but think about how much fucking talent they're they have and you're right i understand from a booking perspective why they book him like this but i also want to see more to eva- for an evaluating purpose it's hard for me to put someone on a tier system if they don't wrestle well they have and there's plenty of work out there you is just there haven't, yeah is there more than 15 Dude, I matches could, i could even watch mjf fucking play in high school football okay fine but is there more than 15 AEW matches he's wrestled in three years not AEW, but that doesn't mean AEW is the only wrestling he's ever done but who cares about the other shit that's when he evolved not really he was doing the same shit on the indies Okay, I'm going to need you to fire up some indie shit. I guess we'll be reviewing indie shit next week so we can see what MJF used to be about. I don't care. He's on the main roster now. Get it to fucking gather. Wrestle more, dick. You know what I mean? Like, salt of the earth, salt of the ring. Get your ass in there. Know what I mean? Do you want to finish up this Shawn Michaels Bulldog match? I mean, we can. This is a great fucking match. I, I want to sit here and have a million notes for you, but this is, we've said it before, it's one of those matches where you don't want to take your eyes away. You know, it's just consistently good and you're enjoying it the whole fucking time. So I could sit here and give you a step-by-step analysis or I could tell you to go fucking watch the match. You watch the match, though. It's a good end. It's a good end. And it leads to one of the greatest things I've ever seen after. Tell them about it. So there's a big brawl in the ring, of course, at the end of this. Because nobody can be cool. So Team Cornette runs up in the ring. Camp Cornette, excuse you. I'm sorry. Camp Cornette. Sorry. Cam Cornette runs up Cam in the Cornette? ring. Camp Cornette? This isn't the Patriots. It's Camp Cornette. I would uh, enjoy it if it was the Patriots more because uh, Cornette is insufferable. You <laughs> were talking so highly of him earlier. Now, this talk- is a- you ring me up and you're like, Will. This is a funny promo, a uh, surprise promo. This is like a Marvel movie. There's a surprise at the end. That I wasn't expecting. So the pay-per-view is over. And I'm like, oh, this motherfucker is over. It was cool. And then, bam, there's Cornette just railing off the edges about how the ref screwed Camp Cornette over. So he does about a five-minute promo where he just lights the world up. And then I saw the, his future of podcasting inside the promo. Yeah, pretty much. He basically just does what he did in the uh, on the mic on a podcast mic. And with the great Brian Moss. I don't know that I like him still, though. I'm on the fence. And you're allowed to be on the fence, man. You don't have to love Jim Cordette. Well, I, I understand he's said some things that are a little bit iffy, but at the same time, he does know a lot about wrestling, and he's been around the block a few times now. Sometimes he gets a little bit on my nerves, which is most of the time, and it's the <laughs> same with his in-ring career. He annoys the shit out of me. But that was his job. And I understand also that he has seen things and has lived through things that are very interesting. And that's the reason why he still looked... At, as a credible wrestling historian. Like, that's why he's still on Dark Side of the Ring and everything like that. So, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about Jim Cornette. We have good news, though. We already knocked out all the Twitter handles and social medias. So, basically, Taylor, all we have to do is give a, a star to this. And I think we're able to go home. And, fuck, this is one of the longest episodes we've done since, like, the first episode. The first few. Um, I'm going to give this a 3.5 out of 5. I'm going to actually hit this with a 3-9. Really? I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it that much. There was not enough good wrestling for me to give it a 3-9. 3.5 is what it's getting for me. I think I enjoyed that Shawn Michaels match so much, and I just enjoyed the concept of a tournament-based pay-per-view that it gets a 3-9. Well, happy 25 years to Stone Cold in his pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, and that. So, um, what... what 
I would thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, have a great night, and uh, hopefully you get to see us soon, okay? If you don't remember the Twitter handles, go back to after the ad. You can find it. I believe in you. <laughs> and also subscribe and like and review, please.